Greetings to you this evening. A few words by way of introduction, um, or preliminary words, or whatever you want to call them. Um, <clears throat> we're at in the Harrisonburg area about uh, half or two-thirds of the time, we're at or about a third to half the time at Caswell, about half to two-thirds of the time. So where do we live? Well, here and there. <clears throat> I'm not going to take much time to talk about this next thing either, but uh, uh, my memories of this congregation go back uh, 50 couple years when I and some others from the Harrisonburg area would come here occasionally to fellowship with the youth from this congregation. And uh, we'd come down for the annual hymn sing, and we would come down to Gladys for the annual hymn sing at Bethel, and uh, the young people from here would go up to there, and we would meet together there. And, and then they would come to Harrisonburg, Dayton, and, uh, and we would fellowship there. But uh, we're all old grandpas and grandmas now. But that's where my memories go back to <clears throat> in this congregation. I didn't tell you the exact topics that we would be looking at this weekend. I just said some things related to prophecy. But I will tell you now. <laughs> um, this evening, the title of the message, I'm not great on titles, but uh, uh, I wrote down God's plan for the Jewish people. Actually, it's a little bit more than that. God's plan for Jewish people and then how that uh, uh, relates to us in some ways and so forth. Tomorrow morning, I, we want to look at Israel in prophecy, and tomorrow evening, the church in prophecy. There may be a few overlaps between this evening and tomorrow morning. God's plan for the Jewish people this evening will be a little bit more history, but it very much relates to the future. And so uh, we need to go back and get some history and to help us understand some of the future. Another comment that I want to make before we get into the scriptures is that I do not come here this evening with all the answers, and I'll tell you why, because the Bible doesn't give us all the answers. There are a lot of things that we, a lot of questions that we can ask. Well, what's this going to be like? And what's that going to be like? How's God going to do this? And how's he going to do that? And there's an awful lot of things that he hasn't told us. And I think we need to be very, very careful that we don't start saying, this is the way it's going to be when the Bible doesn't say. And I really do not appreciate when people say it will be this and this and this and this when the Bible doesn't say. And so you may have questions that I won't answer. I'm sure you probably will um, because the Bible doesn't give us answers to near all the questions. Furthermore, I haven't studied prophecy as much as some people. And so, again, I don't have all the answers. So I don't come here this evening uh, proposing to know what it will all be like in the future. But we want to look at the scriptures and find there some things that the scriptures say. Now, the Bible says... All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
And all scripture is profitable for doctrine. Now, it doesn't repeat the word all, but it's there. (laughs) All scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that includes prophecy. And so I know that there are some people who just, they run away from prophecy. They shy away from it. Ah, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Well, I don't understand the Arabic language. You know why? Because I haven't studied it. Um, We don't understand all about prophecy. None of us do, like I said, because the Bible doesn't tell us everything. But we understand more as we study it more. And so let's not shy away from it. It's a part of God's word, and God's word says that all Scripture is given for our doctrine for doctrine for instruction for reproof for all of those reasons prophecy has a purifying effect upon us let's study it let's not run away from it let's not shy away from it let's look into the scripture and study it just like we study the rest of Scripture. <clears throat> Many of you don't have coats on, and, and I don't either now. Um, it is warm up here. What promises did God make to Abraham and to others? Do those promises carry over to today, and if so, how? To whom do they apply? How has God or will God fulfill these promises? Those are some of the things we want to look at tonight. And you'll realize later that some of these things, some of these, the answers to some of these questions that I've just asked relate to how we look at prophecy, how we understand it, and so forth. And one more word uh, before we go on, and that is that I know there are, I'm well aware that there are various um, ways of looking at prophecy and understanding it and so forth. And if you see some things different from what I do, that's fine. (laughs) Um, And I don't believe, like I already told you, I'm sure I don't have all the answers. And I doubt if you do. My father years ago, as many of you know, many of you knew him. He was a a student of prophecy. One time he met a man that claimed to have all the answers. And I think that's sad in a way. All right, back to these promises, covenants, whatever you want to call them. First of all, there are two kinds of covenants in the scripture, maybe more than two, but we want to talk about two this evening, conditional and unconditional. What does that mean? Well, okay, if you and I would make a covenant, I owe $400 to uh, some business downtown, And I don't have that to pay right now. And so I tell you, um, I will come and work for you for a week free if you will pay my $400 for me or whatever figure you want to give. So we've made, and so you agree to that. We've made a covenant. And that's conditional. You will pay that if I come and work for you. I will do this if you will do that. That's a conditional covenant. An unconditional covenant is where, and now I'm going to switch from humans to God, where God said, like the covenant he made to, um, to Noah, I will never, ever again bring a flood like that on the earth. Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, All that will continue, but I will never bring another flood upon the earth. 
Did he say, Noah, if you do this and this and this, I won't ever bring a flood on the earth? No, he didn't say that. And you can say, well, we, today we would call that a promise, not a covenant. Well, be that as it may, um, there are some of those type in the scripture that are called covenants. Um, but where God says, I will do so-and-so, and there's no ifs about it. And so there are unconditional and there are conditional covenants. Um, however, and let's now get in a little bit deeper, <laughs> uh, get your mind around this, but in the unconditional covenants, um, there are places where God said, I will do this. And I want you to do this. And if you don't, you won't receive some of the blessings that you would have received otherwise. But I still will do my part. That's an unconditional covenant. But the blessings are conditional upon human beings. Follow me? The blessings are conditional upon human beings, but the covenant is not a conditional covenant. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 28. God said, if the children of Israel obey him, he would bless them with lots of children, produce, produce from their gardens and their fields and the livestock. He would send them good rains. They would defeat their enemies and all of that. But if they did not serve him and obey him, he would take the material blessings away, send them into captivity, withhold the rain, etc. But losing the blessings because of disobedience did not disannul or did not annul the covenant. Also, there were covenants for specific times. And then there were covenants that were everlasting. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This weekend, some messages more than others, we do want to do a good bit of turning to scriptures. And so um, get your Bibles and we'll try to turn as quickly as we can. Um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. <coughs> and I will make you a great nation. I will bless, make your name great, and so forth. Let's go to verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is one of the first mentions in the Bible where God said to Abram or Abraham that I will give you the land of Israel. God promised to Abraham that he would do that. Um, at this point, it does not call it a covenant. But uh, now let's go over to chapter 13, uh, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt and so forth. God said to Abraham, to Abram again, I will give you and your descendants all this land as far as you can see, east, west, north, and south. And notice the last part of verse 15. I will give it to you and your descendants how long? Forever. forever. How long is Forever. Now, I don't mean that as a trick question, but uh, 
we think of eternity with God living throughout eternity. It's unending. In the covenants in the scripture, um, forever or everlasting, uh, generally, and we, can, we could look at uh, some scriptures that bear this out, but has more the idea of until the end of the earth or to the end of time, not necessarily throughout eternity, <laughs> but through the end of time or the end of the earth, uh, the end of, of mankind you know, on the earth as we know it today, so forth. So anyway, he says uh, this promise to give Abram and his descendants the land of Israel is everlasting, forever, he says. Let's go to chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and, the, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Uh, let's read on. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as a what? Everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which, I sh which you shall keep between me and you and your generations after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Now what? Is God bringing in a condition? I will give you this land if. No. I don't believe he is. Because he, he repeated the fact that I will give you this land of Canaan as an everlasting covenant forever. That's solid. Now, you have a part to do. But whether you obey or disobey, you're part of the covenant. I will keep my part. Now, <clears throat> um, let's go to verse 13. Um, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. He will be cut off from my people. He will no longer be a part of my people, but I, my covenant is everlasting. And so, if humans disobeyed that their part of the covenant, God would cut them off from being a part of his people, but his part of the covenant stood. <clears throat> and his part of the, his, God's covenant was with Israel. The person that disobeyed, the individual who disobeyed, would be cut off from Israel. You see the difference? <clears throat> okay. Now, he said, how long, or we might say, well, how long is everlasting? We've noticed that in these verses. Let's, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 9.
Verse 18. Then God spoke to Noah. We're backing up. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. And I will establish, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, let's go on a little bit. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And he goes on talking about that. Um, Let's see. Verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And so he says it was an everlasting covenant that he would not do this. Now, if we go to, back to chapter 8 and verse 9. Uh, I'm sorry. No. Um, I'm not quite seeing the verse I want. But anyway, um, the point here is that this was a an unconditional covenant, one that God did not say, if you do this, I will do this. And furthermore, he said, um, he told Noah, and I'm not laying my eyes on it here, that as long as there is seed time and harvest, cold and, and heat, summer and winter, um, he would not bring a flood anymore upon them. And so, how long is that? Throughout eternity? No. That's as long as your stands. And so in this passage, everlasting meant as long as the earth stands. So, so much for that. Let's go on. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, uh, let's stop there for a little bit. In other words, God had promised him a number of times before this, I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, as the sand of the sea. Uh, I will make a great nation of you. And Abraham said, but Lord, I don't understand this. I don't have any children. I don't have any rightful heirs. Well, I, you know, how are you going to do all this? So he's, um, he, he's starting to, he, he's questioning God. I don't think in a, in a bad way, but he's just wondering, how can this be? All right, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, this Eliezer. Um. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars as if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord. Abraham, and we know from some other scriptures too, that Abraham believed God when God said, Your Children, grandchildren, your descendants will be as the stars of the heaven. Abraham didn't understand it, but okay, Lord, if that's what you say. Well, then Abraham had some more questions for God. Let's go on. Verse 7, then he said to him, 
and this is the Lord yet. He's saying, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And Abraham said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So now Abraham has a second question. But, but God, how, how do I know that I'm going to inherit all this land that you tell me? I mean, you know, I just own this tent and these cattle and so forth, but how do I know this? Let's go to uh, verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, uh, let, me, let me back up. The scripture in between here, we don't have time to read it all. But God gave him a sign that in their culture of that day, Abraham understood, I believe, the sign and believed that God was able to do what he promised. And we're not going to go into that. Verse 18, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land. And notice, I just like that there. He didn't say, I will give you this land someday. He said to your descendants, and how many descendants did Abraham have at this time? <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> to your descendants, I have given this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Then he goes on to say where all these people live. Let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 34. Jeremiah chapter 34. This is a long, long time <clears throat> after God made these promises to Abraham. It's uh, maybe 1,500 years later, roughly. Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18. He says, And I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me. When they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts of it, the princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. And we didn't read that back there in, Gen in Genesis, but that's what the Lord did. He had Abram cut calf in half and passed between them and so forth. And God says here, they have not performed the words of my covenant, but I will give them my covenant. I believe God is saying, I uphold my part of the covenant, whether they do or not. Let's go to, uh, let's see, verses... Uh, Back to verse 13 of Jeremiah 34. Verse 13. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, saying, At the end of seven years, let every man set free his Hebrew brother who has been sold to him, and so forth. Um, and also verse, uh, well, let's go on down through here. Then you recently turned and did what was right in my sight, every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name. Then you turned around and profaned my name. Every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, every one, and so forth. But, and my point in looking at this scripture, and we don't have time to go into it very much here. Um, we have to hurry on. But God is saying the children of Israel disobeyed him. But I'm keeping my covenant. 
God's keeping his covenant, unconditional covenant with Israel, did not depend on their obedience. Genesis chapter 26. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 26. Verse 1. There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you, and now who is this? This is Isaac. God, I'm not sure how many times told Abraham, I will give you this land. And it's unconditional, it's everlasting covenant. Now he says to Isaac, I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Let's, uh, let's see. Let's go on. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt at Gerar. Then let's um, go over to chapter 28. So God confirmed that promise to Isaac. Chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there. And the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abram. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padan Aram. Let's, uh, let's go to verse 12. And that night, Jacob, as you remember... He took a stone for a pillow, and he saw a dream. Verse 12, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And a, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. So he confirms it with Jacob. He told Abraham numerous times, he confirmed it with Isaac, and he now confirms it with Jacob. And he goes on, verse 14, Your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, shall spread abroad to the east and the west, to the north and the south, and in you and your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed, and so forth. God would multiply their posterity and give them the land. Let's go over to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, chapter 16. First Chronicles 16, verse 14. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. And so... Later on in time, God again is confirming, I told Abraham, I confirmed it with Isaac, I confirmed it to Jacob, and I will give you the land of Canaan as an inheritance, and it is an everlasting covenant. Now, as you know the history of Israel, 
They went back to after they were in Egypt for 400 years. Then they went back to the promised land. But it wasn't very long until they went after the gods of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and so forth. They went away from God and they worshipped all these other gods. And the years went by. And eventually, God took them captive into Assyria and into Babylon. And they were in captivity for in Babylon, Judah in Babylon for 70 years, in Assyria for hundreds, thousands of years. So they disobeyed God. They went away from God. So did that annul God's promise to them? He took them into captivity. Now they're gone. They're out of the land. And so this annulled God's promise. Did it? I won't take the time this evening, but if we go to Ezekiel, if if anybody's taking notes, if we go to Ezekiel chapter 16, and this is years later, after they were in captivity, they had disobeyed God, they had gone after other idols, uh, after idols. God again confirms his covenant through the prophet that he will give them the land of Israel. And so it did not depend on their obedience. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, we have that again. And there perhaps is where, uh, no, there is where it says that Israel will be a nation. Israel will be a nation as long as the sun and the moon and the stars last. We saw the sun a tiny bit today. (laughs) Not much. (laughs) But we know the sun is still there and the stars and the moon. And so for a couple thousand years, Israel was not recognized as a, a nation. But today they are again. God keeps his covenants. God promised that they would continue to exist. What other nation in the world was not in their homeland, scattered all over the world for centuries? Could we say millenniums almost? And then come back together as a nation again in the homeland. Well, we could look at other scriptures on that. I'd like to move on. God made a covenant with Moses. We call it the Mosaic Covenant. In Exodus chapter 19, God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai about his covenant with his people, and then he gave Moses all of the Old Testament law. That was a temporary and a conditional covenant. And we could talk more about that. But in the New Testament, God says that was for a time. And that is no more. That Old Testament covenant at Sinai. It was only temporary. And God said, I will do this if you will do this. If you will obey my law, I will bless you. And so forth. And he made a covenant there with Israel in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. The Mosaic Covenant. God made a covenant with David that a king of his lineage would rule in Israel forever. God confirmed his, co- his promise to David. And again, we could look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and then we could go to Ezekiel chapter 37, long many years later after Israel had disobeyed God and gone away from God. And God again said, I will put a man of David on the throne of Israel forever. 
that was after they disobeyed. Was that a conditional covenant? No. That was an unconditional covenant. God didn't say, if you obey, I will give you a king from David's line. He said, no, I will give you a king from David's line. Unconditional. And if you want to jot down any notes, you could go to Jeremiah chapter 33, number of verses there. And again, it talks about if day and night and so forth fail, then my covenant will fail. But that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and so God's covenant is still there. That he will put a man on David's throne. <clears throat> and then if we go to Isaiah chapter 61... He says he will make a covenant with them, uh, an everlasting covenant with them. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. This is a familiar uh, passage to us because it's quoted again in the New Testament a time or so. Isaiah chapter 61. <coughs> Beginning with verse 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins and shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Uh, let me stop there a little bit. Uh, the first part of that chapter is familiar. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Jesus read that in the synagogue um, that Sabbath morning and so forth. But now we want to go uh, from verse 4, verse 5 on. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, and you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs." For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. He says he will make an everlasting covenant with them. And he implies here that it's a new covenant. And if we go to Ezekiel chapter 16, Ezekiel chapter 20, Ezekiel chapter 37... And so forth. God says he will make a new covenant with Israel. In which they will come to know him and obey him. And they will rejoice in salvation in him. Has Israel as a nation come to know him and obey him and rejoice in salvation with him? Not that I know of. It's never happened. Yet. In Jeremiah chapter 32, the whole chapter is about a glorious future for Israel. It is written about the time that they were taken captive into Babylon when they had all gone away, most of them at least, had gone away from God, worshipped other idols. There were very few godly ones. Daniel was taken captive, and he still worshiped God and his friends, but very few did. And about the time that most of Judah had gone away from God to other gods and were taken captive into Babylon, we have this whole chapter about a glorious future for Israel. Is it conditional upon their, was it conditional upon their obedience? No, because they were almost all disobedient at that point. God assured Jeremiah that they would come back again to this land and, and other things. And he says it's forever, everlasting, and some of that kind of language. In Jeremiah chapter 50, the day is coming when Israel and Judah will be one nation. Israel, the northern kingdom, Judah, the southern kingdom, will be one nation again, the Bible says. And there are numerous places through the scripture where it talks about that. We may look at some more of that tomorrow morning. The Abrahamic 
covenant was a promise that they would become a nation uh, in the someday they would again become a nation and that the land of Canaan would be theirs. Well, our time is running out. I don't know what time you close. In Hebrews chapter 8, it talks about a couple covenants there. One it mentions is the Mosaic covenant. And that covenant ended with Christ. The Old Testament law, that ended. That was a temporary covenant. But the Abrahamic covenant was everlasting, as we've seen in numerous uh, passages. But now, with the coming of Christ as a new high priest, he says the old Mosaic covenant became obsolete, and there is a new one. And who is he making this new covenant with? He says, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, there are those that say that all of those Old Testament prophecies, or promises, I'm sorry, all those Old Testament promises are today fulfilled in the church. But tell me, why did God say in the New Testament, this new covenant I will make with Israel and with Judah? He specifically mentions the two kingdoms. If it's all fulfilled in the church, that wouldn't make sense. But he says, it's with Israel and with Judah. And there are numerous places where he says that, Israel and with Judah. They will come to know the Lord. He will be their God and they will be his people. They will come to know him as their Messiah and so forth. And he says it's an everlasting covenant, not a temporary one. That has not happened yet. In Romans chapter 9, um, maybe we should turn to that. Romans chapter 9, the first few verses. I'd like to ask you before we read that, we have the Jews and we have the Gentiles. Those who are not Jews are called Gentiles. God made numerous covenants with the Jews. Does God make covenants with the Gentiles? No. In a general way, the answer is no. The Gentiles are not a covenant-making people with God. God made covenants with the Jews. God doesn't necessarily make covenants as such with the, with the Gentiles. Let's read Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. There's no question about who he's talking about. He's not talking about the Gentiles. He's not talking about the church of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the Jews. He's talking about Israel. Who are Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants? To Israel pertain the covenants. They pertain to Israel. The giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Um, no, it doesn't specifically say in so many words that God does not make covenants with the Gentiles. But it does say that particularly the Jews are those that he makes covenants with. He does say it on the positive side. He doesn't say the negative side. Um, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. 
Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. These were Gentiles Paul was writing to. And he said, you, those covenants of promise in the Old Testament did not pertain to you. They were for the Jewish people. They didn't pertain to you. Now, he goes on to say here in this chapter that uh, um, now we Gentiles are no longer strangers, but we are one with the believing Jews. We are one with them in Christ. Believers, in, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, are one in Christ. There's no difference as far as our relationship to Christ, to God. Um, and so he says that on down through this chapter. We won't have, take time now to look at that. But again, sadly, most of the Jews today still do not know their Messiah. Now we could uh, go to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, and look there. Um, he talks about being children of Abraham by faith. We are children of Abraham by faith, believing Jews, uh, believing Gentiles, I'm sorry, are children of Abraham by faith, but um, not a part, they, they are part, or they are recipients, they are partakers of the Abrahamic covenant in that God said, through Abraham, through the Jewish people, all the people of the earth will be blessed. And we as Gentiles are receiving the blessings from that covenant, but that doesn't make us recipients of the covenant. <laughs> we are blessed by the covenant. To the Jews, God said, I will give you this land, but all these Gentiles over here will receive blessings from this covenant too. The covenant is not with them, but they'll receive blessings from it. And we receive those blessings today. <clears throat> I'd like, I wish we could look yet at Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, and uh, uh, some other scriptures where he talks about uh, Jews and Gentiles who believe. There's a number of places in the New Testament where it talks about um, Jews and Gentiles and the church of Jesus Christ. There's at least one place that talks about Jews, Gentiles, and the church of Jesus Christ. Three separate entities. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of Jews and Gentiles. But there are Jews, there are Gentiles, and then there are believing Jews and Gentiles, the church. <clears throat> I will bring this to a close. Now is the day of the Gentiles. God used the Jews. They were his special people. He had a special plan for them for a couple thousand years. Um, from Abraham until Christ. He brought the law through Israel. Israel showed to the world the one almighty God and their belief in him, their trust in him, and so forth. And there's, there's a lot more that could be said. For the last 2,000 years, now God's chosen people is the church made up of Jews and Gentiles, whoever believes. Whatever race, whatever nationality, whoever, 
those who believe and those who obey him. Israel as a whole has rejected Christ to this point. But God has said numerous times that the covenants are everlasting. And the new covenant where he says, I will put my laws into their hearts and they shall um, come to know me. They will obey me. They will be my people. I will be their God. And he said that to Israel and to Judah. We haven't seen that happen yet. But for the last 2,000 years, God's focus has been on the church. However, in the last 70 years, it's been 70 years ago, a couple, 70 years and a few months, since Israel again became a nation. And numerous Jews are hearing about and finding the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. The vast majority still do not know him, but some are learning to know him. The day will come, according to the scriptures, when, as a whole, the Jewish nation will come to know him as their Savior. That time has not come yet. We don't know exactly when or exactly how. But in the meantime, God has interrupted his plans and his work with Israel and is calling the Gentiles to himself. Most of the Gentiles are not accepting him. But now is the day, is the time when God is focusing on the Gentiles. He has not forgotten Israel. He has simply interrupted his program for Israel. And someday, I believe very soon, he will take up his program again for Israel. But right now, it's the time of the Gentiles. God said in Romans chapter 11, because of unbelief, the Jews were broken off. And the Gentiles stand by faith. And he goes on to say, and don't be haughty about that, you Gentiles, but fear. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then all Israel will be saved. As it is written, a deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, from Israel. We'll look at some more tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening. I'd like to say, simply close with, Scripture verse from Romans chapter 11. After the Apostle Paul is looking at all this whole thing of, yes, God dealt with his people. He gave them all these promises, these covenants. He, he fulfilled many promises to them. He, they were his special people and all of that. But now God is interrupting that for a time and he now is the time over the Gentiles and someday he will take up his program with the Jews again and all Israel will be saved and then Apostle Paul says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out I'd like to close with that this evening we don't understand all of God's ways. We don't understand why he has done some of the things he has done, why he is doing some of the things he is doing, why he will do some of the things in the future. We don't understand all of that. But God has his plans. He has his ways. Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. 
and his ways past finding out. And so this evening we simply fall before Almighty God and say, yes, Lord, you know what's best. We don't, and we don't understand it all, <laughs> but we trust you.